I like having music. Boom. What's going on, guys? Yo. This is the Connect Podcast, episode number 27. Matt is out of town this week and not able to be here, and so uh, I have invited Alex Stadler, who is a Crossroads resident uh, here at Crossroads, currently serving at our Fort Lupton location, uh, doing awesome, wonderful things up there. And also, magically, today, (laughs) we have Ian Duran. Yeah. Ian is... A forty-five-year-old oh, male, yeah, yeah. Uh, finding his going on self 46. going on forty-six. His birthday is next week. No, uh, Ian is in in high school. He is part of the innovation production team and the broadcast production team, and doing all kinds of awesome things. And he is here to represent. Yeah, represent the forty-six-year-old. No, no generation. No, the Gen. Oh, the Gen Z. Okay. Yeah, the Gen Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian is our Gen Z rep. Mm. Uh, what what are you representing? Oh, I'm a solid millennial. Solid millennial? 91. Yes, 91. 91. Okay, and I <laughs> I am repre- I'm I'm coining a term today. I'm coining it the mixer because I don't know that I'm fully millennial and I'm and I'm definitely not fully Gen X either. Yeah. So I'm calling my generation the in-betweener. I'm a mixer. Gen Mixer. Gen Mixer? Yeah. Own your label, man. That's right. (laughs) Don't label me. You need to back off. Uh, So before we jump into uh, our topic today, we're actually going to be looking at the church through the generations and uh, and just culturally, what are people looking for when it comes to spirituality? Um, And so that's where we're going to go. But before we dive into that, or when this posts, we'll post this tomorrow, Thursday is draft day. Yeah. Yes, and so I thought it would be great to hear it. Ian, the the football is the love of his life. That's all he does. It's is, my only passion. That's right. <laughs> and the reality is, is he doesn't like football. I don't know that you like football at all. Do you like sports? Uh yeah, I like I like a lot of off sports, like, like the like cricket. Yeah, like cricket, bocce ball, yeah. um, lawn darts. I'm really getting into boxing now that we went. To yes. The, uh, yeah. yeah. Me too. It was, yeah. it was definitely inspiring. Would you fight me? Would you take my fight? I don't think that. I, we're not in the same weight class, I don't think. <laughs> we t- I bet we you we are. We, we I bet you we are. <laughs> yeah. I won't let you. I, I've, I've started lifting weights since we went. That's true. So we went to Iowa for our Practical Living episode, yeah. and we're hanging out with all of these, like, MMA guys and UFC guys. And not we didn't communicate about this, mm-hmm. but both of us came back and were like, I got to work out. <laughs> I, felt, oh, yeah. I felt way too little around those guys. Yeah. yeah. So... I've gained four pounds. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah, no, that one dude's arm was like the size of my head. Yeah. So Yeah. I remember the first time we went to a restaurant after the COVID lockdown. Mm-hmm. We went to View House kind of down the street by us. And all sports were still closed down, right? And so on the TV they had professional um cornhole. Yeah. On mm. ESPN. So yeah. if you don't get into working out, there are options. That's still on ESPN <laughs> the Ocho. <laughs> That's all they had yeah. back then. So NFL draft is uh it's happening and uh i know that there's lots of speculation i I just kind of wanted your your quick feedback pick number one denver broncos oh us. what are they doing what do you think what are, dude i have no idea i what do you want them to do what do i want them to do i so we have a top 10 pick mm-hmm. if you ask me you say who of our available choices is a top 10 pick and you pick them yeah. i don't care the position yeah that's fair yeah uh the thing so garrett bowles 
Yeah. Like, look back. Let's go back in history. Oh. For two, what, two, was it just two years, maybe three years? Uh, they were like, Garrett Bowles is terrible, and he's never going to make it. And and they kept saying, he's not going to be on the team next year. He's not going to be on the team next year. And then last year, he has like a Pro Bowl-type season. Yeah. What's to say Drew Locke can't do the same thing? Yeah, I mean, it's they were given stats yesterday on the radio. I think it's 42% of first-round quarterbacks get an extended contract. Yeah, so it's I, low. Yeah, it's low. I'm just saying, but, I feel like... Give him an off season. Let him work work out and, well, and grow up a little bit, yeah. and see see what he can do this year. Maybe he's going to be better. I don't know. Everyone counts people out so quickly. So, yeah, it was a weird season, and I I'm not convinced there are better options out there. So it's like just have the best team yeah. you can have, and yeah, make what you got work. I'm tired of thinking, hey, if you get if you draft the right guy, yeah, that'll that'll solve all your problems. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Yeah. It'll be fun. Uh, draft day is always fun. Have you seen the movie Draft Day? No. You should see the movie Draft Day. Talk about this. I don't. I don't watch a whole lot of movies. You should watch the movie Draft Day. Yeah. It's good. It's on the list. Have you seen the movie Draft Day? I have not. There's one f bomb. So Uh-oh. prepare Ooh. yourself. It's at the end. I'll have to prepare myself. That's right. I like Moneyball. That's Moneyball cool. is also good. There are more f bombs in Moneyball. Yeah, I don't remember. Than there are in Draft Day. But it, it's the same kind of idea. Yeah. I mean, it's about an NFL GM. Oh, is it? Who, he's the GM of the Browns, actually, I think, oh. in this. Um, but it's really cool. It's really fun just to kind of see behind the scenes and what they do and, Honestly, and all of that. that. I think that'd be a fun job, a GM like that. Yeah. I think that's why I watch I don't know. Lots of pressure. so often. It's Lots just of pressure, like, yeah. Fun. If you watch Draft Day, yeah. I bet you'll watch it often, too, Yeah. especially around this time of year. Yeah. So, well, hey, guys, uh, let's, let's jump into a little bit. Uh, I... I we had a different topic that we were going to talk about today, and uh, when we got into the studio, uh, you guys were already having this conversation about generations and, and really how culturally different we are um, and how our approach uh, coming from a church or from a, a place of, of faith and spirituality, how that looks different, how it's going to look different for uh, coming after you know, uh, man, I can't believe that I'm the old guy here now. Uh, you know, the the older generation as opposed to, uh, you know, down the line. And so we just wanted to, to jump into that. And so, uh, Ian, I'll start w- with you. Want, w- tell me when you were born What and what, what generation are you? So I was born in 2005. Okay. Um, and I am Gen Z. Um, That's it. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. You knew your answers. I, I, I got them down. Yeah. Yeah. And you were born in... 91. 91. So, 90s 1991. 1991. Yeah, I remember being downtown. Um, we stayed in like a hotel that night mm-hmm. and being bummed because nothing was going on and there was like soldiers and like trucks and stuff driving by. And that's my memory of Y2K. You know, so you were what, nine? Yeah. Eight, nine? <clears throat> yeah, I would have just turned. Yeah. Nine. I was 16. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 84. Oh, yeah. Um, depending on what where you look at where millennials started, uh, we get wrapped into millennials. Uh, but I really think that 
we're not i don't know that we're fully one way or the other i think we're really a mix i saw an article once that said that talked about you know how how my age bracket it's it's hard to identify because we are one of the few generations that didn't have internet internet for half of our lives like gen x uh they didn't have internet right they grew up without the internet i grew up half with the internet so dial up came out when i was in middle school mm. um and so we didn't have cell phones you know uh none of that stuff was really there i got my first cell phone my freshman year of college and my parents bought it for me that was when you still had a pay per text mm-hmm. like you know you had yeah. limited you had free nights and weekends so if you were going to make a phone call it was after <laughs> 7 at night or on the weekend and then you had to pay for every text message that you sent. So we just didn't text ever. Um, but the reason my parents got it for me is because I was driving six and a half hours to go to college, and they wanted to make sure if I broke down on the road, I had a way to get a hold of somebody. Um, and so, and that it was really cool. Yeah. You know, I wasn't so cool though to have the Nokia phone that had Snake on it. Mm-hmm. Oh. I don't know if you can you relate. Do you even know what I'm talking I, about? I I think I've seen a couple of uh-huh. shows yeah. that have the uh... <laughs> a couple of shows. Uh, so anyway, that that's where I fall. But uh, you uh, are in school, yeah. Alex, and seminary. you are you are in seminary, and you're writing a paper right now specifically yeah. about this topic, right? Kind of. And so, I mean, if you've been around Crossroads, the the topic right now is churches changing, cultures changing. What yeah. do we do? Um, and that's just been my interest. Like, what what do we do? Like, how is church um, succeeding or failing to reach the next generation to bring them into the church, to bring them into the, the mm-hmm. family of God? And it's just been interesting, especially, you know, I'm a millennial, still end of my 20s, about to be a, a leader in the church thinking, sweet, like, millennials finally get a, a real voice instead of being talked about and doing this research and realizing, oh, my gosh, I, I think I'm already outdated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it depends on who you're who you're going after, right? Oh, and yeah. I think that's that's the hard thing, right? Is that uh, with each generation, it's like creating its own subculture, yeah, um, and then subcultures within subcultures. Yeah. And so, uh, trying to uh, have a, a place where, hey, we all gather together and we all love what's going on is really yeah. really hard. And we've seen that for a long time, right? So you have the greatest generation, which is my grandparents. I don't know, were you guys' grandparents in in the war? In World War II? No, they were... My grandparents would have been children. Okay. During it. Okay, so my grandparents were, were in World War II. Um, they came back, you know, gave birth to the boomers. Um, and then uh, the boomers grew up and they had kids and, and gen, gen, you know, and, and it goes down the line. And so uh, boomers, uh, it seems like we're pretty good for the most part of, of following uh, what... Uh, the greatest generation wanted them to do as far as the way that church works and operates. I know a lot of boomers that are, that were pretty content in that. But then Gen X started rising up and getting older, and they're like, we don't like it. And and so they, you know, that's kind of like the birth of... of the seeker church. Seeker, seeker church, sensitive. seeker, church, seeker sensitive, uh, non-denominational, yeah. you know, all of that that came out. Um, and then moving into then millennials who were like anti-religion almost you know where I, i'm spiritually up right am i you you can back me up on this or tell me i'm wrong Mr. I mean, millennial so i think when i'm a child most of my friends are saying that we're christians and then by the time i'm leaving high school only a, a few of us are yeah yeah but they're not 
it, are millennials pretty anti-organization? They're more about like I could say that. finding community as opposed to finding oh, yeah. uh, a church that is oh, awesome. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, when I think of my generation saying what's wrong with the church, we're saying, man, it just seems shallow. We don't want the performance. We want something real. And when we're talking about something real, it's I, I want a community yeah. where we actually are in our lives caring about each other. Yeah. Like or um, yeah. Or living it out. Like it's not it's not a performance, but it, it's felt and it's it's a lot of it yeah. is feel driven. Correct? I would say that's true for a lot of them. It depends on who you're talking to. Sure. And and again, this is painting a big paintbrush yeah. over everybody, but we're trying to get in an understanding yeah, of, yeah. of the I, different... Yeah, but I'd say I have a lot of friends yeah. where if, if you're going to communicate what's true or false about the world, mm -hmm. um, you've got to appeal to some sort of emotional mm -hmm. connection to reality. Yep. Yeah, and, and for like for my generation, uh, it was the big talk was absolute truth. Mm -hmm. I think every talk in high school uh, from our youth group was about absolute truth and if, if there was a thing of absolute truth or not. Mm -hmm. um, and so then going to college and, and going to Bible college and, and trying to think, man, how are we going to change the world? It, I was very much still a part of the, the seeker-friendly drive of, man, we just want to cast a big net. And, and once we have people here, hopefully then we can really uh, help them understand how amazing Jesus really is. Um, so then shifting on to uh, the next generation, and so now uh, Ian is in high school. What what do you see as far as when it comes through, maybe not necessarily uh, maybe Christians or, mm -hmm. or, or people who who would say they're a Christian in high school, but even just in general, the feeling of, of, of spirituality or religion in general, What what is that, the culture of that generation? Yeah, so I thought it was really interesting to hear both of your perspectives on, like, Christians in high school, because right now, like, you said that you, um, you like, getting out of high school, people, you, you notice more people started coming, like, becoming not non-christian drifting or, away drifting yeah. away yeah. and then you said that throughout high school it was pretty much christian right or i mean like, yes and no i mean uh it's a mixed bag i mean i i think that you have you always have a significant drop off after high school when 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 kids are no longer at home with their parents and they get to start making their own mm -hmm. decisions they it seems that either you're connected at that point or you're not yeah but f for me personally i have the majority of my friends are probably not Christian. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of interesting to see that I, I have a lot of Hold Christian. Hold on, where's the mute button? I have, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm messing with you. Um, I, I, have a, I have a lot of Christian friends, but I, um, I, I also, I, I would say the majority of my friends um, are either atheist or um, uh, Hinduism or you know, along Other religions. Buddhism. Interesting. Along those lines. Um, I also come from a more... Pr progressive and uh, left-leaning school mm -hmm. um, with my charter school right now. But um, I think it's definitely interesting to see that my generation doesn't um, uh, necessarily identify with the Christian, like, majority as mm -hmm. your guys' generations do. Sure. So um, as far as, like, what you were saying about, like, you know, truth and, like, what what each of your generation's ideas of what the church were, I would definitely have to say that my generation is about more about love and like acceptance of the 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 population yeah interesting so it's it's less about like seeking i 
I, I'm not sure how to put it, but like it's yeah. more about like accepting Ex- love and acceptance love as and opposed acceptance. to what is truth. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I I think a definitely a big movement is like you know a lot of the the stuff. Coming you guys out. are reverting to the 70s. Exactly. It's <laughs> I get it's, it. It's coming back. Just want to love each other. Uh-huh. Yeah. We all get along. I get it. Um, and I think that, and as so we're we're having a conversation here, and and I totally get like love and acceptance, mm-hmm. um, as you are a human being and you have value and you deserve love and you deserve to be a part of a community and be accepted, um, but at the same time, when I think about that word love, I think that we we butcher what it actually means, and so I'm curious what what would the it sounds like the definition of love would be acceptance. I think. For for my generation, it probably would be, mm-hmm. but I would have to agree with you that like, there's a lot of misconception about what love is. Yeah, I mean because I I love my kid, mm-hmm. but I give him boundaries because I love him. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm not gonna accept him uh, sticking his hand on the stove. Yeah. Because I know it's wrong and I know it's gonna cause harm to him. Yeah. So is it loving for me to say, yeah, go ahead, do whatever you want. It's cool. Yeah. Or is it more loving for me to be like, no, I'm gonna protect you from that because I'm aware of its dangers? Yeah, I definitely think, um, especially now, there's a there's a drive for acceptance, but then there's also a drive for over acceptance. Okay. Where it becomes like there's not there's not uh so so much of a boundary between like what is right and what is wrong and just mm-hmm. trying to love the minority or love when mm-hmm. it's not like showing equality it's more of like showing more love to fill in for that equality okay if that makes sense sure and that's still harmful for what the drive is and it's kind of yeah so I've, I've got a question for you so yeah. you're saying also like a lot of your friends from school or whatever mm-hmm. atheists wouldn't identify as christian yeah but would agree like acceptance is like one of the primary values yeah. we have would you feel like that same value gets extended to you that as a Christian, they're also working towards you like being shown acceptance yeah. or love in that way. That's hard. Um, I think growing up, it was definitely a, a, a struggle between like, Oh, we're being taught now that like we came from monkeys or like that kind of stuff. And, but now I think growing a little bit and I, I'm not sure if this is like a, um, our society aging or if it's just me developing but it feels like now i feel more accepted and it's just like kind of okay whereas it it might just have been emotion being emotional in middle school rather than this was actually what was happening but i i i think i feel a little bit more accepted now i would guess this is just me guessing Mm -hmm. okay but um they would accept you as a christian as long as your values aren't pushing non-acceptance of others. Yeah, I think um, definitely within the school system right now, it's like we're we're not going to push our values onto you, and it's it's especially becoming a high schooler, it's like, okay, there's respect. There's respect between the people who are teaching me, the people who believe this, and it's like I respect your beliefs and you respect my beliefs, and we're not going to, like, push each other, but we can hear from each other and see what each other, what mm-hmm. each other has to offer. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, I know that uh, you're reading a book right now called The Rise of the Nuns. Yeah. And, in, yeah. and, you're ta- and it's about these nuns from France <laughs> that rise from the dead. It's actually not, a zombie book. Not, not quite. No? no? It's not? Okay, so no. The Rise of the Nuns. Define for me what a nun is 
And then tell me about, this is James Emery White, yeah. uh, wrote this book. So define for me a nun, and then explain to me what exactly is he talking about in this book. Yeah, right. So, I mean, the book's got two parts. So he's talking about first, what is a nun? And then, you know, what does the church do in in a world where rise where nuns are rising? And so basically, a nun, N-O-N-E. Not N-U-N. No, no, no. Got it. Is it's representing what is the fastest growing religious group in America, which is um, none. So when people are being asked, you know, what religion do I, do you identify with? They're saying none. Um, but now to be clear, none religion, yeah, none religion, Mm -hmm. which is different than atheists. They're not necessarily saying, um, we deny the existence of God. We're all atheists. A lot of them probably that's different from like millennials too, right? Because millennials were like, I don't want, I don't want the org, the big organization. I want community, but I still have faith. Um, in yeah. in in Christianity yeah. as a religion, yeah. um, they just wanted to practice it maybe differently or experience yeah. it differently. Yeah. Where it sounds like the nuns are more people that go, mm, I think that there's something I just I don't identify with any yeah. of them. I think when I'm in high school, I'm surrounded by a lot of friends who are saying, you know, I want to follow Jesus, but I don't know why I have to get up early on Sunday and go to church to do that. Like I can I can go hiking on my weekend. I can hang out with my friends. I can follow Jesus on my own. I don't need the church. And I think in some ways the nuns that White is talking about is then going further where people are saying, I don't actually even need Jesus to be um, connected to God. And you get this phrase that we have now of spiritual and not religious. Mm -hmm. So they're not atheists, but they're just saying, I don't need a religion or a church or organized Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. to be a part of kind of this new age Mm-hmm. God's in everything. Would they me. would they identify then? They wouldn't even identify with Jesus, or they would just say God is is not yet defined, and so I can be spiritual and be connected with God uh, and not have to have a religion telling me what that looks like. See, that's where it gets interesting. A nun, a nun can technically be both. Okay. So you can have a nun who's saying I'm spiritual and not religious. Like I don't, I'm not going to define my God. I just whatever it is, I can connect to it on my own. And then you do have the people who are, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to say I'm a, a Baptist or a Catholic or whatever, and I'm not going to say I'm a part of a church So and still say I'm, I'm not really religious. I'm, I'm just spiritual. Yeah. So then what's the conclusion of this book? Did you finish it? I did finish it, yeah. Um, so the conclusion is him <clears throat> just saying that our culture is changing. We, we were in a place where everyone was going to church, a part of the church as an organization, because culturally that's just what you did. And then as that slowly started to change, though people weren't necessarily going to church out of cultural obligation, they were still probably a Christian. And so the church at that point really only needed to nudge people into church. Like, hey, you're, you're already following Jesus. You, you know and believe the gospel. Let's go and, you know, be active in the church. Mm-hmm. And him saying, but now people aren't saying, I'm not going to go to church because I don't believe they're God. They're going to say, I'm not going to go to church because I don't see any value in it. Yeah. And so he's then going to respond and say, how does the church talk to the, the Gen Z and say, hey, church is actually valuable. Mm-hmm. You should wake up early on Sunday and go to church because it is an important part of the faith. So I know, Ian, you're really involved. Uh, and I mean, part of that is your your parents are really involved. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, they're coming, you're coming yeah. at, at some point. Um, but for you or just for your, your generation, uh, when it comes to organized religion or church, um, th- does it seem more like we're moving in this direction of where they, they just don't see any value in that? 
I would have to say so. I think a lot of the church right now is um, going along with some of the older generations. And what do you it, mean by that? Um, I mean like on on weekends. Like, okay. Um, I'm I I can't give an example of what Gen Z is looking for because I don't know myself. Mm-hmm. But it feels like it's um specified to some of the older generations, some of the songs, some of the like reading it, it's just um i definitely think this up uh, this sermon we just did was very good for a lot of the why the about. one about i can't believe in yeah. a god who yeah. uh all the followers are hypocrites mm-hmm. yeah and and all of all of the, the whole series yeah, we, 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 okay yeah yeah i think that that i think a lot of our sermons have been getting better at like coming dedicating to some of the younger gener- generations and you know but answering I, some of those questions yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. I definitely think the church style has been a little outdated for a little bit mm-hmm. and maybe has been comfortable for some of the older generations, but um, it feels like maybe some of the newer generations want something new. Mm-hmm. And with that, I think also comes with, like, I can be a Christian without, like, necessarily having to, like, go to church. I know a lot, and especially through COVID right now, a lot of my friends who are Christian are like, I don't. Now I don't because their parents aren't going to church or mm-hmm. aren't going online. So they're, they're thinking like, okay, well, I'm still a Christian and I, f- mm-hmm. I still feel good in my faith. Yeah. Like, I don't know how, what, what the necessity of this is yeah. if I went like a whole year now without like... Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious, and we, we can sp- speak about this from, from personal perspectives, um, but what was, coming from your generation, what was your driver uh, that said, man, I mean, I, we all... We have that experience where where we've interacted with Jesus and we say, man, I want to follow Jesus. But then when it comes to living that out, what was the driver of you getting connected with the church? Um, so I know for me, it was really important uh, to know that my life had purpose and that it was going to make a difference. Um, and so I wanted to invest into something and into a place that was going to make a, a, a difference uh, for the kingdom and a difference for my community. Um, and I know for... Uh, Maybe you can speak a little bit to what about millennials? Where, where, what, what is your driver personally and, and for, for the millennial generation? A lot of it, I would think, would be some of it at least was social justice. Is that right? To some extent. And I mean, some of it could be explained by my own personal story. But when I think of myself back in college, where I'm now mostly in charge of my life, I'm deciding if I'm going to go to church or not. Um, the big thing is, um, I've got to be a part of a, a real community. And I think some of it is the generation thing where, I mean, I, I was texting people in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was on MySpace when it came out. Oh, yeah. And that's I got right. Off when it died. <laughs> right. That's where I started yeah. uh, uh, talking to my wife. Yeah. I was on and, MySpace. Yeah. And we, we were starting to realize that Facebook even doesn't. Do you know work. what MySpace is? I do know what MySpace okay. is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want you to feel alienated, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I've, I made the conversion from MySpace to Facebook and in college somewhere realized that um, this isn't actually real connection. I think a lot of us felt that way of we're missing out on um, community in a way that we thought we weren't. Yeah. And that the church is the real answer to make sure that we're a part of something real yeah. and we're not just showing up for a yeah. sermon, some music. Going real on. is a very millennial word, isn't it? I want it to be is real. It? I don't know. I, guess I think that it is. I use it often, I guess. Real and authentic. 
Yes. You know, I, genuine. Oh, yeah. I've been part of so many ministries where authentic community is yes. like the key word. The authentic key community, genuine. Yeah. Uh, being real. Yeah. Uh, not putting on a face or a facade, saying, hey, I'm a screw up and that's okay. And Jesus is what saves me. Yeah. I don't have to per- I don't have to put on the face and go to church and, and be a Christian. You know, I can follow Jesus where I'm at and uh, I just go and get judged there anyway. So uh, finding, a, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like all of those things are things that I've heard. Though I know that for me, fr- that was frustrating in trying to lead the millennial generation was trying to make spaces for community where they're like, I want community, I want community. And you're like, okay, here's three options for you to get involved in. And they're like, ah, that's too much work. I don't yeah. want to do that. Oh, well, so running a young adult ministry, that was the paradox. If you have these millennials. Yes, like, yes I that's want the right to word for it. Community. But then you only have a half, if even that, who are actually going to make the commitment. Yeah. Because and then even then, and then you lose another half halfway through. Yeah. But they're like, meh. Oh yeah. It's all right. Yeah. It it definitely shapes and evolves over time as mm-hmm. you have people getting committed. Yeah. But then we're, I mean, we are transient. You have people moving and going. Absolutely. Um, we've had people that were great, great friends, and the reason they're not there anymore isn't because they yeah. said we don't want anything to do with yeah. you. They moved. Yeah. Gone. And I think that a lot of these conversations, I. Th- I'm speaking for boomers and great the great generation now, which is not okay because they're not here to represent themselves. But uh, I would think that that mindset of of church uh, and or religious organization of not being the central of your culture uh, has to be a bit confusing, right? And I think that when COVID hit, like the thing that we saw at least at our church is that those generations were the ones that were faithfully true. Like it's part of their DNA and their culture to be at church on Sunday. Um, and so they're, they're the first ones that, you know, I mean, even though they're, there are people who, who didn't come back because of the, of the fear of stuff right away. Those were the ones that we saw, you know, even figuring out how to be online and things like that was because it's part of who they are. It makes up, uh, their, their culture and their identity is, is that's what we do on Sundays. We go to church. So now shifting to, Back to you, Ian. Uh, what do you see culturally when it comes to religious organizations or church? What is your generation looking for when it comes to spirituality, or are they? I'm not sure, because like, like you were saying— Maybe like, it's still developing? Yeah, I, I, I was going to say it's like, for me personally, I know there's a lot of older Gen Z, because it, it, what, what, what's the oldest range for a Gen Z? It's like 20-something? No I don't know. Uh. But— um. Yeah, there's there. I think especially for my age bracket, um, it's it's still developing, but um, I would definitely say that like I think the older generations do need that like church presence for their faith and for their. But I think especially a lot of the new Gen Z are taking more of like the the sense of like I, I I'm thinking of like during Jesus's time like he he wasn't like specifically in a church like it wasn't a body it wasn't like it, it was a body in the sense of people but it wasn't in the body in the sense of like a building a building mm-hmm. or like a, a facility or an organization mm-hmm. i was, mean i mean he went and he spoke at at the temple and synagogues yeah. and things like that yeah um but it seems like a lot of those conversations were hey i'm here to tell you why you're doing it wrong yeah is that right you, i'm looking at you seminary oh, yeah I mean, I I don't think he's making comments necessarily on the gathering, but rather the, maybe the reasons that they're gathering, or if yes. anything, really the fact that the gathering isn't then affecting the rest of their yeah. lives. So then here's my question for you. So Acts 242, mm-hmm. um, that's like, I know for millennials too, like that was a big deal to uh, 
Oh yeah. You know, we, we went to that all the time. Like, oh my God, I'm going to be an Acts 242 church. Heck yeah. You know? Uh, so it just says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, right? To the fellowship, you know, gathering together, being together to the breaking of bread and of prayers. Uh, and our, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's the Acts 242 yeah, church, right? Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, you can go on and read that whole paragraph mm-hmm. if you want to, but, um, I mean, that, this is, this is why for me, truth was so important, uh, is because, uh, establishing what is our baseline for truth, mm-hmm. right? And so you can get into those conversations of our truth or my truth and your truth and da, 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 da. Um, there's a good guy, uh, that, uh, always said, um, it's either the man or the bus. It's never both. And so we can't, truth is truth. It, you don't get to decide one truth and you decide another and I get to decide a third and we're all right, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, it, it's, if it's truth, it has to be true. And so then uh, m- my question is, is how do you then take the gospel into these different generations and be effective in that? Um even uh, if I'm, this generation's not concerned about truth. They're just concerned about loving. And so you say, hey, this is what the Bible says. And they say, well, I don't care what the Bible says. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't affect me. Um, yeah, you have some? Yeah. I, well, I think this is where um, James White really makes his interesting, pivotal argument of saying, for a long time, the American evangelical church, because that's his perspective, has been an Acts 2 church. And if you think about what's happening before this passage, is Peter just gave a sermon about Jesus to a bunch of Jews, and he gave it to them in the context of the Jewish faith, because that's what they all were right then, right? Mm -hmm. Where then he contrasts it with Paul um, in Acts 17, where he's now, you know, he's in the Roman Empire. He's talking with philosophers and, and Greeks, and he's not giving a sermon like Peter's because he's got to start at the beginning. He's got to start yeah. with creation. you got to meet people where they're at. Exactly. And he's saying that's what our culture needs to do is we're churching in a lot of ways yeah. to what was once a church culture. And now in the rise of the nuns, we're not in a church culture anymore. And so you've got to begin with where are they at? Because I bet you they, they don't understand the importance of a God, of a faith tradition, mm-hmm. and let alone being a part of a church. Yeah. And we're not going to, obviously, we're not going to solve this problem today. Um, but I think that it's worth just stimulating the the thoughts and the conversations, especially for people who have been in the church for a long time, to start thinking through, okay, what does it look like for it to not be about me? What does it look like, you know, and even our generation, yeah. right? When I'm, I'm, I'm 37, so what does it look like for me uh, to say, okay, it's not about me and what I like and what I want, but how can uh, I see what God is doing? How can I see where God is at work, and how can I participate in that mission of, of bringing Jesus to the to every generation? You know, and uh, I think that that's just a a question that we're we're going to have to continue asking, and and I think that we have to trust too that none of this is a mystery to Jesus that that He knows what He's doing. He is actively building His church all the time, and uh, through experiences, through knowledge, through all kinds of different means, um, and so we can trust that um, He's going to lead lead that that the way in that. Um, and so, but I just want to thank you guys both. For, for coming on in this. It was really sporadic for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had no idea that, that Ian was going to join us today. Uh, we had a different topic in mind, and, and we kind of shifted gears. And so uh, any any other last thoughts before we wrap up from any of you? Uh, I was going to say really quick. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, off of what Alex said, I think definitely for my generation, it's um, less about, like, evangelical or, like, pushing, or, like, the faith. Mm-hmm. and more about just, like, showing love. Yeah. 
and it's like what does that look like i i think it like i have a lot of friends like i said that are atheist or buddhist or whatever and um i don't feel like i need to press or like explain anything to them i just kind of need to like show them that i care about them and Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna like think of them a different way because of like their affiliation and it's relationship right we always say you have to uh, earn the right to have the conversation and so just going and throwing your bible at somebody probably isn't going to be very effective um but if you can have a good enough relationship that Mm -hmm. you can uh have conversation and then trust that the Holy Spirit's going to do something in that. Yeah. So I think that's good. Um, I don't know what that means for the church at large, um, but at least on an individual basis, yeah, we have yeah. we have an action plan here. Well, the the Holy Spirit's been pushing this for a good solid two thousand years. So I that's right. I think the train's going to keep on moving. Yeah, that's right. With or without us. Absolutely. <laughs> well, guys, thanks so much for joining with me uh, today on the podcast. Uh, we are wrapping up this week uh, our series on I Can't Believe in a God Who. So Ian referenced that. If you want to go to our YouTube channel, you can check that out. All of our messages and our full services are there. Our past podcasts are there. Um, if you're listening to this, uh, you've probably already found our podcast somewhere. <laughs> so, so that's good. Otherwise, I don't know how you're listening to it. But uh, go ahead and check out our other content, and uh, we look forward to being with you again in a couple weeks.